Welcome to today's episode of Midweek Mom Talk on 360 Talk Radio for Women. I'm Dr. Jackie, the owner and founder of Motion Spot LLC, providing occupational, physical, and speech therapies. I am going to be brutally honest. I am absolutely exhausted between the four-month sleep regression, the toddler tantrums, and combine those two and throw the time change on top of it. I have been completely defeated. The kids win. I am totally spent. My eyeballs feel so heavy. Not enough coffee in the world. I am just near the point of completely breaking and losing my mind. That being said, I do know that this too shall pass, but in this moment, it has been very difficult. The sleep regression has been going on for at least a week now, maybe even two weeks, plus she's cluster feeding, so I'm thinking she is going through a growth spurt. I don't know if that's what causes the four-month sleep regression. Either way, it's absolutely exhausting, and to top that all off, we had the worst morning this morning that we've had in a very long time, if not ever, the screams, the horrible screams. It was just constant screaming. The toddler was going through huge tantrums. He wanted this, but he didn't want this. He wanted that, but he didn't want that. He wanted things a certain way, blah, blah, blah. He wanted to watch something. We don't let him watch things. Then baby girl decided to join in at some point because she wasn't getting her attention. It was just a disaster, and I am so over it, but I want to share it all with you so that if this happens to you or if it's happened to you, you know that you're totally not alone. I'm right there with you. So what happened this morning? Here is the story. My baby woke up 11 p.m., 1.30 a.m., 3.30 a.m., 5 a.m., 6.15 a.m. last night. My husband had the audacity to ask if baby woke up at all last night, but that's beside the point. Then my son, who has been sleeping until around 8 a.m. before the time change, now wakes up around 7.15 the latest. So this morning he woke up at 7.05 and, of course, woke the baby up by 7.20, so that's great, and then, um, all right, so we got up, and I tried to start the day, within five minutes, toddler starts his tantrum, he doesn't want to wear his blue shirt, he wants a different shirt, of course, he won't actually select a different shirt, he wants breakfast, but he doesn't want to eat breakfast, he just wants to have it on the table in front of him, He doesn't want to eat it. He doesn't want anyone to take it away. So there was a lot of yelling, a lot of body throwing, a lot of jumping. It was very loud. It was just a lot. And then every now and then, baby girl would join in too. So that was extremely overwhelming. Meanwhile, I'm trying to get everything ready for us to go to drop off. My husband works in the office Monday through Wednesday. So by 7.45 a.m., I am on my own. He actually left this morning and told me he was sorry for leaving me in that situation and wished me luck, which I, of course, needed. I don't know if all of that chaos was caused because of the time change, and I I don't know. My son always had a hard time adjusting when the time changed. It would take him really a very long time 
and my daughter is going through the sleep regression. I, I don't know. Everything was just, it was a lot. It was very hard, and I had a headache by like 8.30 a.m. I was tapped out for the day, but we managed to somehow get in the car and go to drop-off. The car ride there, the first half of it wasn't great. There was still yelling involved or crying, I guess. But the second half was fine. Like, I just decided to not respond to him. I didn't react in any way. I don't want to say I ignored him because that doesn't sound great. But I guess essentially I ignored him. I just didn't offer any sort of reaction. And eventually he was like, all right, I guess my mom is not reacting. So he calmed down. And then we made up when we got there. Like, right as we were pulling in, he said something... I think he said, oh, he said, daddy's at work. And I said, yes, daddy's at work. And then I asked him if he was feeling better. He said, yes. And I said, I'm sorry, we had a bad morning. And he said he was sorry. And then we said we loved each other. And it was very nice. So we did make up before drop off officially. So that was great. I actually really like that we did that. I feel like this generation of parents... We didn't grow up with our parents apologizing to us for things that they did. I know, like, at least from myself and my friends, like, it was always us as kids who had to do the apologizing, and it was almost like parents could do no wrong. And I'm not saying that was a bad thing at the time. Like, that's probably just what parents knew. That's all they knew. That's all the experience that they had but for whatever reason maybe it's the research or just our generation I don't know but we apologize to our kids when we know that we did something not great as well and you know I lost my temper with my son as well I didn't yell at him but I definitely wasn't always very loving or comforting during his tantrum this morning I had to leave a couple times and just go scream in a private room or then I would just like talk really loud just to kind of get my aggression out without actually yelling, if that makes sense. So I apologized to him too. We both apologized for having a rough morning. So that was that. It was definitely one of the worst, if not the worst mornings that we've had in a while or ever. And I, I, I don't even know. I have so many thoughts. My head is still hurting. So I'm just trying to get my thoughts together. But usually our mornings, when they are good mornings, a couple of different options. The first is that one or both kids are still sleeping in the morning, like between 7 and 8.30, I would say. And so I have time to get myself ready, maybe have some coffee and get some work done. The other option would be that if both kids are awake, that they are playing or, you know, baby girl is hanging out, or maybe she's eating, my son is playing, and again, I'm able to have some coffee and get some work done. This morning, absolutely none of that happened. No coffee, no work done, just a lot of noise and stress and frustration, and there was definitely guilt involved. Like, I for sure felt bad on the drive home after I dropped my son off I was just like man like I really wish that didn't happen but I do feel like I handled it the best I could in the moment I mean I'm by myself with two kids both of them have 
their needs and they're both having needs at the same time. So it's for sure a lot to balance. Plus, when there is that much noise, it's just like a ringing in your ear, pounding in your head, and it's very hard to keep yourself together. It's very overwhelming, very sensory overloading. So we just tried, we as in me, just tried to get everything together and leave as soon as possible. That's basically been my strategy when we have our not-so-great mornings is to just try to get everything together and leave sooner rather than later. Instead of, you know, prolonging this situation at home, we just try to leave. Now, I don't think my husband has ever had that experience with both kids. He's been alone with both kids for a little bit, and I guess like sometimes it gets hectic when he's with them too, but he's never had to get both of them ready by himself and out the door. He's also never had to take both kids to drop off. He's almost always only taken one. And same with pickup. He's almost always only taken one. When he has taken two, I think I just said he never took two. That was not accurate. When he's taken both of them, it was because I asked him to or I had a meeting or something like that, but he's never had to get both kids ready and take them together. He's only ever had to take them together if I was also here and helped to get ready. Which brings me to my main topic that I want to talk about today, which is what it means to be in an equal partnership. Are relationships, are partnerships, marriages, are they ever equal? Are they truly a 50-50 split? Or is there some other ratio that works and still makes everything relatively even? Now, this is a fight my husband and I have had often. Maybe fight is too strong of a word. Let's call it a debate, a conversation. This is a topic my husband and I have discussed multiple times. Ultimately, we seem to agree that while our marriage is not an even 50-50 split, it is still equal. He is the primary breadwinner, although I am working towards catching up to him. He works outside the house three days per week, from home two days per week, and is off on weekends. I don't have such a strict schedule for work, There's no consistent day or time that I have to be working or clocked in somewhere, but I have various work tasks that need to get done throughout the week. Some weeks are definitely busier than others. Some days are busier than others. There are times where I do have to be somewhere or in a meeting of some sort, so I need to be quote-unquote clocked in for a certain period of time. But again, I just don't have that consistency of every Monday or every Wednesday or you know, from 12 to 2, it could be kind of sporadic. And I'm home with the baby full-time. My husband cooks most of our meals. My husband does most of the grocery shopping. I wash and fold most of the laundry. My husband walks the dog. I do the night feeds and day feeds. I do most of the drop-offs and pickups both kids in tow typically he takes out the trash i get the mail 
When we are both home with both kids, he primarily has the toddler and I primarily have the baby. So you can start to maybe understand now what I mean by our marriage is not perfectly even, but it is fairly equal. We make decisions together. There is no one person in charge. Financially, there is no one person controlling when, where, or how we spend our money. And this is what works for us. Now, I'm not saying that this is a perfect plan. There are definitely moments where he feels like he's doing more. There are times where I feel like I'm doing more. And then that's when it's important to communicate. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's my husband or if it's just men. He does not always communicate these things to me. He has in the past, but more recently I notice it's when I am presenting a frustration of mine, he seems to kind of rebuttal with, yeah, but you don't do this and that and that, or, you know, but you're doing blah, 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 as kind of, I don't know, an excuse or like a a reasoning for why the thing that I'm frustrated with is actually okay for him to be doing or not doing. So let me let me just give you an example. So I am very organized. I like to have things in certain places. When I take something out of like the pantry, I'll put it back in the same place that I get it from. My husband does not do this. He takes things out and either doesn't put it back, which if he hears me recording this right now, he's definitely rolling his eyes, or if he does put it back into the general area where he got it, it's not always going to be put back in the exact same spot. It'll be put back like around the same place. Now, when I express I'm frustrated that you keep things out all the time, it gives me more work to do to clean up after you and the kids, then his rebuttal will be something like, yeah, but you don't put things back either. And the reality is, I know I don't do things 100% of the time either, but more often than not, I do put things back that I take out. And I know what he primarily is referring to is that I leave my coffee mug out. So to me, then I get even more frustrated that I'm like, okay, so do you not put back, you know, like the cereal that you took out because I left my coffee mug out? Or do you not put the cereal back because it's just not in your nature to put it back? Probably the latter, but he's excusing his behavior by pointing out a flaw in my behavior, and I hate that. So this is where we have then our debates or our you know, conversations about this topic of things being equal or fair or you know, just like shared relatively evenly. And lately, I'll admit, I have been feeling more frustrated. I do think it's because I am just in general more stressed out with a lot of work that I have to do. So when I see a mess around the house, that adds to my stress level, that adds to my frustration. And when it's not a mess that was produced by the kids, it's just pretty annoying to me that adults in the house, my husband namely, are contributing to this mess or then I'm like you know why am I the one who has to pick up the garbage from the floor 
Well, I'm either one who has to put everything away from the counter and that's what I find frustrating lately. Or when it's with the kids, you know, I take the baby with me when I do drop off. I have no choice in that. It's definitely easier not to take her, but I take her with me. When my husband is home, I still take her with me because I know that's what's easier for him. So when there are days that I am busier or I have meetings or work-related events that I need to go to and I need that extra help, I find, at least lately, that when I do ask for that help, it seems like he's getting annoyed with me or he's like frustrated that I'm not doing my job of being with the baby 100%. Or if he's home and I ask him to change her diaper, if I ask too often, it feels like he is, you know, I I don't expect him to, you know, want to change a poopy diaper with a smile on his face, but he will sometimes push back and say like, oh, well, can you just do it? And I find that frustrating if it's, again, like a day that I have a lot of work to do. Meanwhile, I'm always doing what's easier for him with taking the baby with me. I've taken her to so many work-related events lately. It's significantly harder for me to work that way, obviously. But I know it's just easier for him, so I do it. And maybe that was my mistake because now that's what he's used to. But when I ask him, like, oh, can I leave her with you? If he's working, he'll say, oh, well, I have to work. Or, you know, it's easier for me if you don't. So that to me kind of says, like, he either doesn't care about what's easier for me or he finds that his work and his needs are more important than mine. And that's when I get very frustrated. It's almost like an insult to me that, oh, you don't take my work seriously. That's how I take it. So whenever I go into those thoughts, I feel like I need to find a way to have a conversation with him before it gets too frustrating because then instead of having that calm conversation, it will come out with hostility and that's definitely not helpful. And then he'll just tell me that I'm projecting my insecurities on him, which maybe is true, maybe is not, I don't know. But I definitely need to have a conversation soon because I can feel my frustration growing. And again, I don't know, am I imagining these things or is it reality? Is he really not so interested in helping right now interested is not exactly the word I just can't I can't think of the right word right now but you know is he not as helpful lately or you know volunteering to be helpful lately or am I just under more stress and I'm not noticing his assistance as much because it could go either way I told him a while ago that I felt unappreciated and that I need him to tell me that I am a good mom. I mentioned this in a previous episode, if you were listening to that. I told him, like, I need those affirmations of, you notice what I'm doing, you think that I'm doing a good job. Again, I don't want you to make it up, but if you actually believe in these things, you please tell me. And he's been telling me a little bit more than he used to, 
still not like fully, which I guess is also contributing to my feelings of he thinks that maybe I'm not doing enough or that, you know, my job isn't serious. And so my real job is to be the one taking care of the baby 100%. I don't, I don't know. Again, I will have to have that conversation and really find out from him what's going on. If he actually thinks that, or again, if maybe I am just projecting it, who knows? The point is, I need to have this conversation sooner rather than later, just to make sure that everything stays even and equal. It's not like we keep a list going or anything, like we're not keeping tabs on it. But again, I'm just, you know, under a lot of stress lately, under a lot of pressure. And when I know he is, I do what's easiest for him or I try to. So it would be nice to have that same appreciation and consideration for me it would be nice if he had that consideration for me as well anyway what is your relationship like with your partner do you feel like it's even do you feel like it's equal or do you have a totally different style totally different dynamic than what i'm describing in my relationship and it works for you or if the situation you have right now doesn't work for you how might you be able to go about adjusting things or changing things, how can you have a discussion with your partner to voice your frustrations without coming across as hostile, right? It's very hard to voice frustrations without sounding frustrated because when you talk in a frustrated tone, usually a conversation turns to an argument and that's definitely not helpful. I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges in life, not in marriage or partnership even, but just in life is to be able to have conversations calmly, getting your point across without extra emotion, but still being able to voice whatever it is that you're having an issue with. The other thing that happens, I just want to say it real quick, it popped into my head. It's kind of funny, I guess, but also like annoying. If my husband leaves like the medicine cabinet open or for some reason when he takes something out of the toaster he leaves the toaster oven open or he'll leave the closet door open I I don't know I hate that I just find it really irritating like if you opened a drawer or opened a door close it right so I'll tell him like oh can you close it can you put your shoes in the closet and close the door and his response is like well why don't you do it like and I'm like well it's like really an easy thing to do like just do it and he says well if it's so easy then you can just do it like if instead of getting frustrated with me that I don't do it you can just do it yourself and I find that so freaking irritating because yes it is a simple thing to do so you should be able to do it but his argument to me is that I should be able to do it and it just pisses me off to no end. That's like the attorney in him. He's not an attorney, but he has a lot of attorneys in his family. And that's just, uh, I have no words for it. It really irritates me, but it is kind of laughable, I suppose. And my answer usually is like, well, you're a grown man, so you should be able to close a door. We're still working on, we're still working on that one. I think the other thing sometimes with our relationship is that if I tell him that I'm frustrated about something, he will almost never 
respond with a change in his behavior to appease me. But if he has told me in the past that he was frustrated by something I did, I would try my best to appease him, even if my change doesn't last forever, because it's hard to, you know, implement a new change for somebody else and have it last forever. I at least make the effort. And then, you know, if I start slipping in that, then I'll try to pick back up after I realize that I'm slipping. Whereas the only time I've ever gotten him to actually change his behavior was when I was pregnant with our second and I was very uncomfortable and very stressed out and the baby is coming and the house is a mess and his socks are all over the house, sometimes because he took them off and just left them there, sometimes because the dog brought them from from upstairs to downstairs. Why did the dog have access to them? Because they were left on the floor upstairs. But anyway, so having socks all over the house and then I had a huge meltdown because the house was a disaster and he was contributing to it with his socks everywhere and he thought that my meltdown was just in general that I was accusing him of being like sloppy or whatever and in fact my meltdown was because of the socks and I said no this is not something bigger this is because of the socks put your freaking socks away and because I had this meltdown and I was crying and it was just hysteria he actually started putting his socks away but within I don't know maybe a month or so they started coming back and he was like all right so this is just the cycle you know you tell me to put my socks away I won't do it then you yell at me and I'll start putting them away and then when they start coming out again you yell at me again and then I'll put them away so I guess that's just the cycle so far I've gotten him to put his socks away and that's That is an impressive feat on my end. I was able to make a grown man finally put his socks away. And not consistently. Anyway, not trying to bash my husband. As I've mentioned before, this show is very therapeutic for me. So, do any of you have socks all over your house because of your husbands and or kids? Let me know. You know, I actually saw recently on Instagram, I think it was a video on Instagram, of this woman who was making just like a funny spoofy video that she asked her husband to get the nail clippers for their kid and the the husband said, okay, sure, where are the nail clippers? And the wife said they're in the drawer in the bathroom, they're in the top drawer all the way on the right, or whatever it was, and in the video, you can see her in the bathroom opening up the drawer of what she described, that it should be the top drawer all the way to the right, and then she says that her husband did not find the nail clippers for their child, so they did not clip their child's nails that night, and as she's saying that, it zooms in onto the counter right above exactly where she said that they would be and there are the nail clippers there so it was very funny to me because the wife had thought she knew exactly where they were so she made this video right so she told her husband where they were the husband looked exactly where the wife said and because they weren't exactly where she said they were next to or in this case on top of where she said he couldn't find them. So I thought that was very funny because it seems very classic, very typical, and it's happened in our house a lot. If something is not where I say it was, but it's like right near there and he doesn't see it, then 
you know, it's just not being found, or if he needs to find something for himself and he'll look in one place and say it's not there and then I'll go and look and it is exactly there. It's just very common. I, again, used to think it was just my household, but then seeing different things like this is very affirming that it's not just us, maybe it's just like a male species thing. I do not know, but um, I've seen other videos of, I guess they're memes more, where it's like a man's face nervous sweating when he tells his wife that he couldn't find such and such a thing or he asks her to help him find something because then the wife always finds it. But anyway, the point is, why am I bringing this up? Because I thought that video she made was funny because it was, for for me anyway, it was very relatable. But then I saw in the comments that people were like, oh, this is considered abuse. Like, you're making fun of your husband this way. This is toxic. This is, like, domestic abuse. And I was just like, what the heck? Like, I've never heard that before. I get that, you know, making fun of your spouse publicly is not nice. But she had commented saying that, like, she and her husband both thought it was funny. So I just want to add here, I am not bashing my husband I've said this before but I'm just emphasizing not bashing just chatting maybe it's relatable for you maybe it's not but usually we just laugh about it at our house as well because it is kind of funny but I just thought that was kind of interesting I'm not a marriage counselor I don't I don't know if what she did was wrong in posting that video um, maybe I'll have a marriage counselor on here, just see if, if they can give some advice in general. I think it would be nice to hear from a marriage counselor. What's interesting to me, I don't know if this is just like when you surround yourself with people who are in like the same life stage as you, certain topics just naturally come up around the same time, because I was actually just talking to a friend of mine the other day, and she had mentioned something about a friend of hers getting marriage counseling, and she thought like maybe it was something that she could do for her and her husband as well, not because they have any real like problems per se, like typical marriage things, but just, you know, she was curious about what that process would be, how it would look, and how it might help them get even stronger as a couple. She, I think the way she looked at it was more of like an exercise that they could do together almost like an activity or like going to the gym but instead of the gym it would be like a mental exercise going to a marriage counselor or a couples therapist or something like that so it's just interesting that I'm now talking about this because I did not plan that conversation with her in relation to this episode like that just hit me in the head now so maybe I will reach out to a marriage counselor see if they're interested in answering some of my burning questions and any of your questions about couples counseling, see what advice they might have and see if they think that that little Instagram reel that the woman made that I just described is considered a toxic part of their relationship or not. If you have any questions for the marriage counselor, once I find them, of course, let me know. You can message me on Instagram, Motion Spot LLC. That's M-O-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-T-L-L-C. I will also add, as far as 
my marriage goes and our different responsibilities and things. My husband is great. He is fabulous. He is an excellent caretaker. He's a great husband. He's a great father. Everyone has their own little, you know, relationship troubles or just disagreements. I think that's very normal. But he will help. It's not like he's not helping me with our baby or with our kids or anything like that. Like when he works from home, he definitely tries his best. I think it's more, again, like what I was saying, that when I am having the extra stress and extra things to do, I don't really have anyone to help with it. Like I can't just push off something for something else because it all has to be done simultaneously, like taking care of my child. But when he is home, he will try his best to help me with her if he doesn't have any meetings. So I think what I'm basically getting a little bit annoyed about is that like when I have a meeting, I have to take her with me. But when he has a meeting, he gets to do the meeting on his own without having the baby there too. And, you know, in certain instances, I for sure understand that a corporate meeting is different than a meeting that I might be having. But at other times where he has other meetings where he could take her and he doesn't because it's just easier for him not to. Whereas if I had that exact same meeting and that actually happened last week, we had like basically very similar meetings on two different days. I had to take her with me and he got to go without her to his. So to me, that's just, you know, sometimes it can be kind of frustrating. But overall, you know, I would say I'm very thankful and I'm grateful for him and for our, our marriage and our overall dynamic. I think we have a pretty good balance of things. So I just want that to be extra crystal clear, not bashing him at all. And I am most appreciative. One of the reasons I actually married him was because I knew he would be a great, great father. And he is of all of the fathers that we know, like people our age, various groups of friends that we see, he's definitely top notch. So I was right about that when we were dating. He is a great father to our kids and a great husband for me. Now you might be wondering how does all of that relate to occupational therapy since as you might know, I like to bring occupational therapy related topics to this show and discuss things mom life yes but also mom life through the OT lens and the reason this is all relevant is because relationships are one of our frameworks of occupation we have a whole section on relationships as part of your roles, the different hats that you wear, right? I've explained that in different um, episodes, but basically occupation in occupational therapy refers to these different roles that you have, these different things that go on. So you have yourself, right? You're taking care of yourself, those ADLs, daily living activities, but you also have taking care of others, 
the IADLs, sleep is an area of occupation, play, leisure, these are all areas of occupation, and one part of that does include relationships, because we have different relationships with different people, we wear different hats, we have different roles, right, you might be a mother, you might be a wife, a sister, um, a friend, a colleague. So we have a lot of different areas of occupation and you're going to behave a little bit differently in each role that you have and different situations might come up that could be negatively impacting one of your roles or multiple roles that you're playing but also if you have let's say in this situation your partnership your your marriage or your relationship with a significant other if you are having trouble there if you are not satisfied with something or other if you feel like you know there's just kind of a trouble in paradise this occupation is currently needing some assistance and so that's why I am talking about it on this show not just because it might be relatable but also because it is an area of occupational therapy and so if you do look into counseling of some sort it's possible that the counselor you speak with might have a background in occupational therapy, in OT, and they're just using their license, they're using their degree and their area of expertise in counseling or like a life coach type of situation. So don't be surprised if you end up seeing someone in that field who has an OT background is basically all I'm trying to say. But again, that is not me. I am not a marriage counselor or therapist. So again, maybe I'll try to find someone to come on this show and give us a little bit of more information about what they do and how they go about their practice, how they help their clients, how they help their customers. But in a similar note, like I mentioned, this show is a source of therapy for me. What's interesting, and I, I kind of can't even believe I'm saying it, but when I first started this show a little over a year ago, it was, first it was fun, and then, because, you know, new adventures are always fun, and then it became stressful, because I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to do? How am I going to fill the hour? And I had to have this, you know, weekly at a set time every single week, which is difficult as a stay-at-home mom and a work-from-home mom, and my schedule is always changing, so it's very hard to keep anything on this consistent schedule like this show is, Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. But as things went on, I guess I got more comfortable with the schedule, but I think more than that, I got more comfortable just talking. I got more comfortable speaking on the radio. So with that comfort, I realized that I can talk about anything that I want to, anything that is on my mind. Sometimes it's helpful to plan every detail out a bit further, especially if the topic is more scientific, 
you know, or more like specific, it could be helpful to plan those things out. Or if I'm interviewing somebody on this show, or if I'm talking about a sponsor of the show, speaking of which, I do have sponsorship spots still available. So if you have a brand or a company that or a product that you would like to spread the word about, let me know and you can be a sponsor on this show. You can come on yourself or I can speak about the product for you. But anyway, the point is that now that I am so comfortable talking, this show is basically like an hour-long therapy session for me. It's kind of like like keeping a journal, only instead of writing out all of my thoughts, I am speaking all of my thoughts out. I think it has a similar result as writing. I'm still I'm expressing my thoughts in one form or another, and I love it. So definitely invite you to come on this show give it a try. Maybe you'll find it to be as therapeutic as I do, or maybe it'll be, you know, a new exciting adventure for you like it was for me initially. Now it is not as new, but it is definitely still exciting and fun. So please let me know if you would like to get more information about being a sponsor and the different options that we have available and we can work together with. You can email me info at motionspotllc.com. That's I-N-F-O at M-O-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-T dot com. What's more, I think it also helps to just have a breakup in my week. And so I'm not just like doing the same things over and over again every single day because that's something that I really don't like. I don't like that feeling of being like stuck in the same constant routine or the same cycle like it just turns into like a rut for me and I like having something to look forward to and while every day might be a little bit different as a stay-at-home mom like some days you have laundry and other days you have to cook or whatever that's not what I mean (laughs) I take all of my stay-at-home mom responsibilities as kind of one thing that I have to do and then all of my business related things as another thing that I have to do so this radio show is like a separate category for me in that and it just I like having a change up every now and then so it can be a little bit stressful because there is like that one moment of change so there isn't as much consistency but on a day-to-day but on a week-to-week I do have that consistency and now it's something that is not as stressful for me like I'm not you know afraid of it anymore or like dreading it like when I get nervous about something and something is stressful for me it ends up being dreaded dreadful like I dread it and that just makes it even more unpleasant and then you just fall into this cycle of unpleasantness but somehow I'm not even sure exactly when it was fairly recently like within the last couple of months I would say at some point I just had this change in my head that happened not consciously like I I realized it maybe last week or a couple weeks ago whenever the first time was that I said it on the radio that this show was therapeutic for me that's basically when I realized it and it's just been so true ever since which is why I'm definitely recommending for you to get on here with me and give it a go give it a try 
People always say that when you try something new, it's going to be uncomfortable, but that's the only way to grow is to get out of your comfort zone and, you know, do something in discomfort. And and I'm not sure that I fully understood it initially what that meant, like why would you ever want to make yourself uncomfortable? But as long as what you're doing is safe, I get it now. Because if you are consistently just doing the same thing, there really is no room for growth. There is no room for learning when you're doing the same thing the exact same way every single day, right? There's no like upward motion. But when you try something or start something new, then you have growth because you're learning a new thing. Maybe it's a new skill or just having this new experience, there is growth behind it. So I definitely understand it now. And I can say that I do agree with this mindset of growing when you are uncomfortable, doing something out of your comfort zone, doing something new and different for yourself. Again, as long as it's safe, produces a new version of you. You are able to grow. And I think that is very important. I have always been a proponent of being a lifelong learner. As a healthcare professional, we always have to have continuing education. Like that's just part of our license. We have to continuously, consistently be taking courses and getting those education credits. Part of it is to keep up with any new research and to, you know, just always have like refreshers of the material, be up to date on techniques, things like that. So that's how we maintain our license and just make sure that we are providing the best, most modern, most beneficial care for our clients. But I think the other part of it is that you know, it's not just, okay, there is this new piece of research out, so now I learned it, great, but you are growing, you're becoming a better therapist, a better healthcare practitioner because you did that. So I am very much a proponent of doing this continuing education in all areas of life, not just in a professional manner, not just if you're a healthcare provider, so you need it for your license, right? Like i believe in this for all areas because that's how you truly grow as a person. So for me, that's actually one of the reasons that I got my doctorate was, you know, I had been in school for a while already and had gotten my master's, but I didn't want to stop there. I wanted to keep going and growing and I knew the doctorate option was available. So I took it and I went with it and now that's why I'm Dr. Jackie. I can still go higher I think with a PhD of some sort, and it's definitely something that I've thought about because I think that would be a pretty cool achievement, but again, it's because I am like this lifelong learner. I'm always trying to learn new things in order to to grow myself as a person, as a provider, as an educator, so I'm not saying I'm definitely going to do that because I'm, you know, I'm learning in other ways. I am taking my continuing ed courses and doing these uncomfy new things, 
but just something to keep in mind for yourself, especially if you feel like your life is getting at all boring or like you're sick of the mundane or the just everyday same old thing. If you're feeling like things are just getting kind of gray and boring, perhaps you should consider trying something new, trying something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable, maybe makes you a little bit scared or nervous and I repeat for a third time, as long as it's something that is safe, something that is not dangerous for you or anybody else, I say go for it, especially if it's something that will bring you joy or satisfaction or any kind of positive feelings once you complete the thing, the activity. If you're going to be able to bring yourself that joy and sense of accomplishment, I think you should definitely go for it. Give it a try. Maybe it's something you do for yourself. And after doing it, then you will find this growth in yourself. But maybe it's something that you do with your partner. And then you can grow together and perhaps see positive benefits from it in your relationship together. I think sometimes it's important to do learning and growing related things as individuals but I think it could also be a good experience to do something like this together with your partner. I know for me doing things that scare me with my husband just makes me feel safer with him, makes me feel more taken care of I guess. So like for me I'm scared of flying So I do it, I fly, you know, we go places sometimes, but doing that with him, I feel the most safe. I feel like, you know, I trust him and it makes me feel closer to him when we're doing this thing that I find nerve wracking. He doesn't find it so scary, so I don't know how much he's benefiting from this growth that I'm taking part in, but... I feel it, so I guess that's good enough, even if it's a one-way a one-way street there. But just in general, like when he and I are doing anything difficult together, like we went on a, a road trip and... Did I mention this already? No, I think I only mentioned daylight savings. When we went on this road trip, we went at night so that the kids would be sleeping. And when we arrived at our hotel it was like 11 a little after 11 p.m so definitely past the kids bedtimes which is why they were sleeping in the car and that was the plan for me it was more important to have a peaceful car ride than be stuck in the car with potentially two screaming kids and risk having like a rough time going to bed what I did not expect was that we would be up until three 30 in the morning with my son refusing to go to sleep because I think he was nervous to be in this new place and my daughter would just wake up like either from his screaming or when she needed to eat so that was fun but anyway this was rough right it was definitely uncomfortable for both of us and it was a difficult situation but we kind of were able to laugh about it at times and We definitely grew together as a couple by coming out the, you know, coming out stronger on the other side of what was a very difficult and stressful situation.
Plus now we have experienced that, so we know if it's something we're willing to do again in the future or not. I'm trying to think if there's even a way that, like, if we were to do a road trip, what would be the better way? Is there a better way to do that? And I'm really not sure that there is, because if we left any earlier, we would have hit rush hour, and if we left in the morning then I don't know that the kids would have slept the entire ride and there's still a good chance that my son would have been scared of the hotel room and had not wanted to go to sleep. So then I felt like we would have just had like a double-edged sword where the car ride was terrible and then the night sleep was terrible. So with this that this version, you know, this way that we planned it, which is actually my idea, thank you very much, we had at least one good thing, which was the car ride being smooth. We just had a terrible sleeping situation that night. But going forward, I don't, I'm not sure how to how we could even make it better. Maybe if we left on the weekend a little bit earlier than we did, then we could get to the hotel a little bit sooner, and then hopefully everything would have been a little bit sooner. But we had left during the week, so had we left any sooner, again, we would have hit rush hour. And my goal was to be in the car for as little as possible with as little screaming as possible. So I really made that my my area of most importance compared to the sleeping once we got there. But whatever. Anyway, I'm just thinking out loud now. You didn't need to know any of that. But just some things to think about if you perhaps are going on a road trip with two little kids, two kids or multiple kids, just three and under. Ours are under three, but you know, whatever. So anyway, another example, just final example when it comes to that road trip of how we were both equals, even if what we were doing wasn't 100% even, he drove the entire time. So he had to be, you know, awake the whole car ride, but I was in the back with the kids the whole time. So I was not comfortable sitting squished between two car seats if a child woke up, which they did a couple times, I had to comfort them or give my baby a bottle, you know, entertain the toddler, whatever it might have been. But I was able to close my eyes a little bit. So that's kind of how what we were doing was not necessarily even, but we both had our roles and that made it equal for us. Just thought I would bring everything back full circle for the topic and the theme of today's episode. So I think I'm going to wrap up for now. If you wanted to reach out for any reason, if you had any questions about anything, any concerns, if you had any occupational therapy related questions, speech therapy, physical therapy, you can always contact me. You can send an email to info at motionspotllc.com or reach out on Instagram at motionspotllc or motionspotpediatrics. That's our pediatrics page. And that's going to be it for this hour. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Midweek Mom Talk on 360 Talk Radio for Women. I'm Dr. Jackie. Bye-bye for now.